in case you missed it, my book Anatomy of Abundance hit the market and it is officially an Amazon bestseller. We couldn't have done it without your help. Thank you for being here and supporting me. If you haven't picked up your copy, pick it up today. Learn how to transcend the limits of scarcity and rewrite your life's narrative, transforming it into a story of boundless prosperity and fulfillment with Anatomy of Abundance. Join renowned author Petrina Wisdom and 16 Brilliant Minds on a Transformative Journey. Discover awe-inspiring narratives and empowering strategies to attain abundance in relationships, career, health, and wealth. Every purchase breathes life into a remarkable cause, donating book proceeds to the Shine Organization. Shine Organization empowers sex trafficking survivors to break free from scarcity, fear, and past traumas, and boldly create their own unique path to abundance through entrepreneurship. Buy your copy today. You're listening to Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast where we spotlight women who've gone from managing to mastering life's challenges and the badass practitioners that are changing the way we heal. I'm Dr. Sabrina Nicole, psychologist, coach, author, and speaker. But more importantly, I'm a woman who had my own journey to mastering chronic pain. You don't need to be stuck anymore. Fuck that. Hello, everyone. I'm, I'm so excited you're joining me today. Today's episode is all about the healing power of music and the connection between singing and becoming a better speaker. My guest today is Takenya Battle, the chief troublemaker, industry experts, small business owners, and influencers who are terrified of speaking publicly on lives, podcasts, videos, and interviews turn to her when they want to go from, is this my going? to confidently unleashing their most profitable, powerful, panic-free speaking voice yet. She provides personalized piano and vocal instruction designed to help you unleash your inner superstar. She also creates customized theme music for entrepreneurs who march to the beat of their own drum. When this classically trained vocalist and pianist isn't entertaining audiences at her latest gig, you can find her teaching adult literacy and lifting the voices of often overlooked communities. Welcome to Kenya. Oh my God, that sounds so good on paper. Just yes. amazing. You are amazing. <laughs> but those are all things I'm I'm extremely passionate about. I'm extremely passionate about music to the point where I named all my kids after musicians, and then these sap suckers got the audacity to not play a doggone thing. <laughs> what are your kids' names? Miles after Miles Davis, mm. Ella after Ella Fitzgerald, and Ellington Langston after Duke Ellington and Langston Hughes. And nobody plays a thing. Mm. Who gave them free choice? Who let them decide for themselves? <laughs> <laughs> Who told them that was the name of the game? That just shows how important music has been in, in shaping your life. The fact that those are their names. That's a Absolutely. beautiful thing. So let's talk a little bit about, about the role that music has played in your life. How long has music been with you? Since birth? I think music has been a part of my life. It was something that was just always there. It was always around. When I was a little kid, I remember our house being the party house. So my parents would, you know, pull out the records, drop the needle, and it would be like some Marvin Gaye, Temptations, Tina Marie, the OJs. Everything Motown, Gladys Knight. Uh, it, it was everything. 
uh, some Blue Eyed Soul, Michael McDonald. It, it was so much. I remember like laying on my stomach in the living room and like flipping through Michael Jackson's album and looking in the liner notes. It was just always there, even in church. Church was made up of nothing but me and my cousins and my aunties and my uncles. Yes, I said aunties and uncles, not aunties. We in Texas, it's auntie. It's your auntie. Okay. <laughs> my aunties and my uncles and my cousins, the choir was nothing but cousins. The kids' choir was nothing but cousins. And then by the time I was 15, I was voluntold that I was the church's new piano player. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, how did, you know, how do we get here? They were like, yeah, you took those piano lessons. I was like, yeah, in elementary school. But in the Black Baptist Church, I'm telling you, them old ladies don't play. They don't play. If you don't hurry up and catch what they throw in, by the time they get to the course, you in some trouble. You in some trouble. They calling on God for other things. Wow. And, um, you know, when you think about it, there isn't a single person on this earth who isn't shaped by music and sound because even a deaf person can feel the vibration of it. That's how powerful music really is. I love that because this is actually a question I ask my students sometimes. It's like, how would you explain music to a person who's deaf or hard of hearing? And it really forces them to think about how music works and how we don't all experience music the same way, but we can all have our own experience with music. Yeah. So how does um, music and singing, you know, I'm thinking when you're a kid, I don't know if you like me, it was like children should be seen, not heard. So what happens to the voice within that kind of context? And then how do we learn to uncover it and rediscover it? It came about for me because I'm in that generation of seen and not heard. For kids, you were, we were, I don't want to say forced, but we were always like in the back room and the adults were in the front. Or if we were all in the same room at the same time, it was the loudest person who was heard. So mm. I think I learned at an early age that you, if, if you want to, if you want people to hear you, you're going to have to project. And it's loud because we're having a good time. It's loud because we can't wait to share stories with each other. It's loud because, you know, we can't wait for, for Uncle Gerald to tell that, that long, long tail lie he getting ready to tell. We can't wait for the story. his nose is growing like Pinocchio but the way you bring that about in children is you have to pay attention pay attention everybody's looking for a way to express themselves and for me music was that natural expression of all the things that I wanted to say because I'm competing with the loudness but I noticed that when I would sing it was less loud it's less loud. People are listening to what I have to say now because I'm singing it or I'm playing it on the piano. And the way piano came about for me, my cousins and I, we just all wanted to be in the same class at the same time. And so we all chose piano. So fourth, fifth, sixth grade, you know, we would sit two to a bench with our feet hanging down, barely touching the floor. And we would learn these, these simple, super simple songs. And it was that that form of expression just stuck with me. But pay attention to what, what your kids are doing. Are they picking at the piano? Are they constantly singing all the time? Are they making up their own songs? Are they beating out rhythms on the kitchen table? Are they singing the jingle that they just heard on the TV or on, on the radio, if people still listen to radio? I don't know how that works. 
Just pay attention to your child. They're going to tell you what they like. And then give them the opportunities, expose them to different arenas of music. It's not just an R&B thing. It's not just a classical thing. It's not just a country thing. Take them to the symphony orchestra. Take them to the, the latest theater production of what your local theater, local community theater is doing. This is how you provide them the opportunity to explore music in an organic fashion. It's not you saying, and you're going to do lessons five days a week. I don't recommend that for a child. The modern world bombards our brains with an overwhelming amount of inputs and stressors. Our brains are struggling to adapt. A lack of brain balance means many of us are anxious, looking for energy in the wrong places, and struggling to get a good night's sleep. The solution is BrainTap. BrainTap combines a variety of proven methods that restore balance to your brain for optimal performance of mind and body. This technology communicates directly with your brain so you don't have to do anything. Simply sit back, relax, and push play. Central to BrainTap technology is the concept of brainwave entrainment. The brain will naturally synchronize with external rhythms. And several modalities are used to accomplish this, including binaural beats, isochronic tones, guided visualization, 10-cycle holographic music, and with the BrainTap headset, you'll have the added benefit of light frequencies. The overall benefits of BrainTap include improved clarity, improved quality of sleep, and more energy. Start your brain fitness journey today with a 14-day free trial. Click on the link in the show notes. And then the other thing, you want to guard the adolescent voice. I think um, I was talking with one of my adult voice students yesterday, Stacy, and we were talking about growling like, Rrr. And she's like, my, my voice doesn't, my voice doesn't do that. I'm like, mine either. I mean, can I do it? Yes. But I'm not going to, that's not the happy place for my voice. And if you have a child growling, you know, those, those adult gospel type growls, you're actually causing damage to the adolescent voice. And she and I described it as like, if you took two pieces of tissue paper and you just rubbed those two pieces of tissue paper together and the holes that would form, that's kind of like the damage you're doing to the adolescent voice. If you have a child growling, that's an, it's an it's just an inappropriate thing to do. I was like, y'all ain't gonna be growling up in here. If you're a kid, if you're a kid, then you're gonna come up in here growling. You ain't growling in my studio. We ain't doing that. Not up in here. So how do you how did you discover like you mentioned the happy place for your voice? <laughs> the I happy place that. for my voice. You have to find the happy place for your voice and live there. Don't try to live outside your happy place for your voice. It's not going to go well. You're going to crack. You're, you're not going to hit the note. It's going to sound awkward. Now, if you're going for a certain certain kind of feel, then by all means, go right ahead. But we're, we're born with these capabilities. There's, no mod- there's, there's not a whole lot of modification you can do there. So the happy place for my voice, my voice loves to live in the lows. It loves the mm. lows. I so love this is that. where you, yeah. you can be you can be sultry and seductive. You can invite the audience to listen more deeply as you pause and make them pay attention. Mm. Yeah. 
I love the lows. And for, for my student, I'm, again, I'm referencing Stacy from, from last night's lesson. Her voice, her voice has a happy place that is hell for mine. Her happy place for her voice is hell for my voice. I can't hang up there. She's got a higher <laughs> voice. You know, I'm, in, I'm up there sounding like Mickey Mouse anytime I try to hang where, where her happy place is. And when she tries to go to my happy place, it just doesn't even come out. So stay in your happy place. Move the song. The songs are movable, y'all. You ain't got to sing it in the same key. You got you got 12 keys you can work with for the most part. There's more, but, you know, 12 basic keys. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about this creation phase of creating custom music like you did for me. Just so y'all know, the music that you hear for the podcast, that's all to Kenya. She took me through this process where she asked me some questions and then... That's what came out of it. I love getting to know people and being able to transfer that into an oral experience. There, for me, there's a certain sound that goes with certain words. There's a certain rhythm. There's a certain instrument that goes with the things that you tell me about yourself, the things that you tell me about your business. I wrote a custom song for, for one person, her, her and her husband. Her husband's birthday was coming up. And I was like, well, just tell me your love story. Just tell me your story. And she talked about how he knocked on the door. They went on a date a couple of weeks later, something about a Ferris wheel. She got to the top of the Ferris wheel and he was like, I love you. And they've been married ever since. And I know that this is a churchy family. I know this is a, a family where the husband's a preacher. So I was like, you know, this is the perfect time to, to make a gospel love song. That's literally what I wrote for her. And at the end of it, I, you know, I said, well, can you just send me some recordings of the kids? Like, just have the kids say something to dad. And I I personalized that and stuck each kid saying something. We love you, dad. Happy birthday, dad. Even the little baby saying, dad, dad. You know, it's, I get to take it that far. I get to make like nobody else will have this song. It's a you song. It's not a me song. And I love how music allows me to creatively bring what you put on paper to right to your ear, right to your ear. Yeah, you bring it to life. You bring it to life. From a questionnaire <laughs> about what time of music I listened to, what was I interested in, and what did I say? I probably said old school R and B, old school music, hip hop, and Damien Escobar. I probably said that. Yes. I don't remember what else I said. The violinist. I took a. I actually took a lick from one of his performances. I I, I, bar- I borrowed. You know. It's not copyright infringement. You know, you good. Okay. I, I borrowed a line, a lick from it, and I interpolated it and put it in your song. So you got a little bit of him in your song. Wow. Bringing stories to life. That's what she does. I love doing it. it, it the freedom of it all. It's like, I just want to get it right. I want to get it right. And so when I when I turn over the rough draft to you, I was like, oh, man. It's like, oh. You know, keep in mind, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about much shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, what I want more than anything is for you to love what I've created for you. I want you to love it. So I really want to get it right. You did. You did. And it definitely stuck with me. And when I shared it with my my core group, I was like, all right, what y'all think? They was like, what? Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's it. That's it. That's it. I was like, okay, t- t- Kenya's hitting it. Ten. She hit it. That's ten, it. Ten. 
That's it. So tell us a little more about your business, how people can work with Ooh. you. Okay. So I've been a music instructor for the past 23 years, which is fine and good. You know, I've, I've helped people kind of discover themselves through music, uncover some things about themselves, have some breakthroughs. Sometimes my music lessons are really therapy sessions. I am not a licensed professional counselor. I am not a therapist, but music is a vehicle for people to get out what's in. And a lot of those, those things stay with me confidentially. Of course, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm still a mandatory reporter. Don't play, don't play. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's one avenue of my business where I'm teaching people voice lessons, piano lessons. Everything is wholly online. So I have students all across the United States, even as far away as Sweden. That's one arm of my business. Wow. The other arm of my business is writing custom music. I love the creation process. I love the getting to know you and putting what you put on paper in your ear. Another arm of my business is I'm helping entrepreneurs Put their best voice forward because not everybody is camera ready necessarily with their voice. Not everybody loves how they sound. Not everybody wants to hear the playback of the video or the playback of the recording because of how they think others perceive them. And there's a stat out there. I think it says 16% of people just don't like the sound of their voice, period. They just don't like it. And 27% are highly uncomfortable with the sound of their voice. And for me as a singer, I thought that was striking. I was like, I love my voice. Like, who are these people that, you know, I was like, who are these people that I must, I must help them. And that's why, yeah. And I was like, I must help them. So it's, for me, I don't want to say it's like a no brainer because there's still some work that has to go into it. But there are principles of singing that apply directly to speaking. So as a singer, you want to be understood. So you want to ensure that your diction can is, is brought across in a way that your audience understands exactly what you're saying. Now, depending on the kind of song, it may require tall vowels. It may require a different mouth shape. It may require a different pronunciation. If I'm singing in Italian or German or a Negro spiritual, these all require different applications of the fundamentals, the lips, the teeth, the tongue. Those are your main articulators. You know, there's more, but those are the main ones. So if I'm singing, I wouldn't sing a a Negro spiritual. Couldn't hear nobody pray, Lord. I couldn't hear nobody pray. Way down yonder by myself, and I couldn't hear nobody pray. I wouldn't do that with that Negro spiritual. I would say, Cool, yeah, nobody pray, Lord. A cool, yeah, nobody pray. Way down yonder by myself, and I couldn't hear nobody pray. So there's elements there. There's inflection. There's deliberate pauses. There's a modification of the lips, the teeth, and the tongue. Because you have to remember, when we were brought here, we already had high capacity for language because we were communicating with different groups of of ourselves in Africa. We already had high language capabilities. And then you put us 
in a foreign place and we're forced to acquire language quickly, it may not come out as the king's English. Does that make it irrelevant? No. If you go to your Gullah Geechee, it's a whole nother experience. It's a, it's about as close as you can get to what the experience was for, for our ancestors and how the Gullah Geechee community still maintains those practices, the, the dialect, the way of speaking. Uh, as an example, the song Kumbaya, Kumbaya. What do you, what's your understanding of Kumbaya? Oh gosh. When I think of it, it's like, um, I don't know, just all like getting along, like it's all like happy time, that kind of thing. <laughs> that is a widely held perspective, the same one you just said. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the root of it, kumbaya is saying, come by here. They are calling God to come here and take care of business because what's happening around us is not acceptable. They're asking God to come. It's, it's, it's less of a, let's all get together and have all the happy, good feels. It's more of a, hey, God, come over here and do your thing. Rain terror, because we being terrorized. So that, mm-hmm. that whole kumbaya is kumbaya, come by here, come by here, kumbaya. It's been, I don't want to, it's not, I don't want to say commodified. It's been, um, recast. It's been recast from its original intent. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's probably many things are, many things happen. Which happens. Yeah. It, 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 and it happens. That's not, that's not to say it's good or bad. It's just, it just is. It just is. Yeah. Wow. So when you sang that first time, I heard you. But when you sang the second time, I felt you. I felt you because you were digging, you were singing from, from your, your happy place. You were singing from your happy place. I felt that in there. And you were singing from your heart, from your gut. Like it was from down here. It wasn't from up in here in your throat. It is a soul sharing. Singing is a soul sharing. There is no way I can stand in front of an audience and that deliver you pieces of my soul. Mm. It is such an intimate exchange. This is why I feel like many musicians are highly empathic. They're able to read the room. They're able to feel the energy of others. They're able to tell when you're not having a great day without you having said a word. It makes us extremely sensitive emotionally. And it's just, just this heightened level of awareness. So I don't have a problem sharing with my kids. Like this morning I was telling my kids, I was like, oh, you know, I'm glad y'all weren't in the house yesterday because mommy had a had a, a crying, screaming from the from the bowels of my insides moment yesterday. And one kid was like, oh, so you just had a panic attack? I was like, no, I wasn't panicked. I was very much aware. But there were some things that needed to come out. And I, I need for my kids to know that they have avenues to let things come out. And you also want them to know that it's safe. You want them to know that yes. it's safe to let them out. Because what happens when we withhold things, you know, when we withhold that emotion, you know, as the book says, the body keeps the score. Like, it's going to translate to something internally. The body will hold it. The hips will hold it. The neck and shoulders will hold it. And we need those hips 
to set us on our path. So you can't walk the path you're meant to walk if your hips are still holding on to the hurt. Mm. Let me tell you, let me tell you, music releases. Music reveals, music releases. Uh, the assignment I gave a student yesterday, she's going through a transition. And her assignment was to read the lyrics to Home as the song that's from the end of the Wiz, at the end of the Wiz, either Stephanie Mills or Diana Ross. They sing home. When I think of home, I think of a place where there's love overflowing. I, I wish I was home. I wish I was back there with the things I've been knowing. So th- this this transition for her, it was really hitting home. Another student assignment that I had given her was Stevie Wonder's Don't You Worry About a Thing. Now, I didn't know what she had going on personally. I didn't know, but I can see and make that connection. I see it. I don't have to know the details, but I see that there's something there and I got a song for it. It's like, you like to hear? Here you go. <laughs> I, there's, there's, <laughs> you like to <laughs> There's a song for that. And that don't you worry about a thing for her. It, it, it hit home for her for whatever it was that she was experiencing in that moment. She was like, this was so good. I, re- I just really needed this. That's how music works. When, you know, I've been a church musician for about almost 30 years now. Uh, you've seen music, you've seen examples of music kind of put people in a transitive state, in a state of trance. You've seen music put people in a state of catching the Holy Ghost. You know, the, the spirit moves people to, to move in certain ways. You've seen examples of music. As soon as the first note drops, a tear may fall. Music has the capacity and it's because music is energy. Music is energy. It's measured in frequencies, 432 hertz, 440 hertz. All these, these magical frequencies resonate with our bodies because our body is energy. So things tend to want to be in harmony. They want to naturally flow in harmony. You want to find the happy frequency for your body. Those vibrations, they move in what we call sine waves. And when sine waves are out of sync, there's lots of disharmony. Things don't sound right. Things don't feel right. Things aren't going right. Music has the power to reset and recenter and refocus. And if music is energy, the music has life, you know, and it can give us life. It can give us life. I think that's why I like, you know, the meditation frequencies. That's why I do the meditations, because I know once I hear that tone, my body will automatically relax. Automatically. I feel tingling in my toes. It's instant because it's the right frequency uh, to help me relax. That's why I love meditation music. I love instrumentals, uh, mostly even for focus, like this frequencies to help you focus, which I love when I need to get in the zone, when I'm trying to type something or, you know, working on some writing, I put on the right frequency to get me focused. This isn't some kind of woo or, or some kind of, you know, science will figure it out later, but we bend and new. As a people, we, we bend and new. Not like we, we've, we've been knowing. We bend and new, okay? That, and I want people to understand you don't have to speak perfectly. You know, you don't have to conjugate every verb. Do you? You is always permissible. You is always acceptable. You is kind. You is smart. You you are always welcome. 
And I, I really want the audience to know you're always, you're always ready. You're all, even when you feel like you're not, you're always ready. You're always ready. Woo. It's just like, it's so many things, so many things that music is. You have it coming in. You have it going out. You have it for all those moments that you want to remember. I played my grandmother's funeral. Mm-hmm. I played my grandfather's funeral. And when I say, um, for people who may not understand, in the black church, <laughs> you know, a funeral can take all day long. It can take forever. <laughs> so you, you got to pregame. You got to make sure you pregame and get, get your bread up and eat real good <laughs> so that you can maintain. But the fact that I was able to play my grandmother's funeral, my grandfather's funeral, immediately after each one's service, there was a representation of them in nature that came to me immediately after. I want everyone to know we truly are one. We are one. When one is suffering, we need to seek them out and help them elevate. When one rise, we all rise. Music has the power to elevate us all. Wow. Like Sabrina, for you, what's, what's that song? What's that? I'm, I'm sure there's a song. What's that song that always gets you in your feelings? Happy mm. song, sad song. What's that song for you? There's so many. It's hard to um to think of one. You know, most likely it's something from my childhood. Like I heard my parents playing the records or something that stick with me, like some Al Green or something that, you know. <laughs> yeah. That um that gives me life, you know, because then I could picture the apartment we were in with the dark flat walls and like I don't know if they were like chocolate or something. <laughs> See how music painted that picture? Yeah, music painted that whole picture for you. It brought back a happy memory, great times, good feelings, good feelings. I think for me, a couple of those songs would probably be like Diane Reeves. I think it's called "Be Patient." But it's, it's the song where she's relaying the, the relationship between herself and her grandmother. And she would ask her grandmother all these questions. And then her grandmother answered the questions. And then eventually grandma passes on. And then she, she finally understands. Mm. So Di- for me, it would be like Diane Reeves, Be Patient, or Frankie Beverly Amazes, We Are One, because I, I truly believe that. Why are we sitting up here trying to hurt each other? For what? You hurting them, you hurting yourself. I figured the sooner we realize that, the better off we all are. All this separation, division, you know, some folks ain't going to never get it. You know, it ain't, it ain't for me to help them. Everybody ain't my charge. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Every fight ain't mine. <laughs> wow. But music is a universal tool that we can all use. I think that's so important. Every culture has it. Every culture has it. There's, a lot of borrowing. I guess I'm going to get into history a little bit more, like um, the song Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. That's one that's common to lots of different church denominations in the United States. But I don't know if people realize that that melody, the melody for it, uh, it's, just, it's just five notes. Just five notes. So if you look at a, at a keyboard or a piano, it's the black keys. Let's just say it's the black keys. And those black keys are set at specific intervals where doesn't matter which note you pick, it's always going to be the so-called right note. Doesn't matter which of those five notes you pick, those intervals are set, the distance between the, the notes. 
is set to be in such a way where all the all the notes will always sound right every single time. To take it another step further, it's John Newton who's credited with writing Amazing Grace. Now, who is John Newton, boys and girls? Let me tell you, boys and girls, saints and ain'ts and all my non-binary folks. Let me tell you who John Newton was. He was a captain of a slave ship. Hmm. He didn't write the melody. He heard the melody mm. come from the bellows of the ship. Ooh. That's our song. Mm. That is our ancestor song. Those five notes, different people from different tribes speaking different tongues, but those five notes, those five notes were universal and always right. But, you know, John Newton gets the credit for that one. Mm. Those five notes are soul shaking. They will stir up the body and, and, you know, it just causes you to pause those five notes, the black keys. Wow. So it sounds like music has truly ordered your steps. You're stepping into your, you're working within your passion, your strengths, your purpose, all rolled into one. All day, every day. And the fact that my teachers and my professors are still checking on me, the fact that you know, when I wrote my first book, my piano instructor was like, she's like, to Kenya, you know, she's, she's West Indian, to Kenya, um, could you just send me a copy of your book before you release it? I'm like, I was like, oh my God, Dr. Corley wants to read my book. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, like that student-teacher relationship, it never passes. Even my very first piano instructor in the 1980s, her name is Allison Hicks. So I, I want you to just imagine what you would think to be a typical hippie, typical hippie woman, uh, long hair, glasses, the, the tie-dye t-shirts, teaching all these black and brown kids. She was the minority. Now imagine if Allison Hicks told me no, because when I took my very first piano lesson, I didn't have a piano. Mm. What if she told me no? Well, you know what, Takenya, you don't have a piano. So I, you know, I can't teach you. There are teachers today who do that. They, uh, uh baby, you, you must have a Steinway nine foot extended piano. And everybody ain't trying to go to Carnegie Hall. Some people just want to play what Taylor Swift just wrote. <laughs> everybody ain't trying to go to Carnegie Hall. So I'm just like, imagine if, if Allison Hicks told me no, Takenya, you don't have a keyboard, you don't have a piano. I can't teach you because for three years, I did not have an instrument, but I'm learning piano. And the people who had one, it was my grandparents. They had pianos in their homes. They're of that generation where a piano was a staple in the home. So if my grandparents didn't have those pianos, I would never have had something to practice on. I've had students who've come to me without an instrument and they say, well, but I don't have anything. Well, I got something. You need a keyboard? I got plenty. Borrow one. I got plenty. Borrow one. Amazon, here's a link for a digital keyboard. There are teachers who are anti-keyboard. I'm like, y'all, these people want to learn. They want to learn. Teach them. Meet mm. them where they are. Help them. Another thing that chaps my hide <laughs> is the elitism <laughs> and classism in the, the piano teaching and, and vocal instruction industry. You know, um, black music ain't good enough. It's not qualified. I had somebody ask me yesterday, oh, you know, how do I teach Fred Hammond 
to my student. Where do I find the sheet music for that? Well, when I was coming up, you'd have to record it off the radio. <laughs> Those were the days, yes. <laughs> Listen to it back. Stop, play, stop, what is it? Stop, play, figure it out on the keyboard. Rewind, go back and get it again. And when I was explaining that to one of my students, she was like, she's like 12. She's like, well, why didn't you just use Spotify? I was like, baby, we didn't have Spotify. <laughs> we didn't have Spotify. She's a student that I teach to play by ear. There's multiple ways, multiple ways. It doesn't, the, all those notes are not on a sheet of paper. They're not. You can put the paper in front of somebody and, and, it, and it still sound dead. They ain't got no soul connection to what's in front of them. If you're speaking, you have to connect with what you're saying. So connection. Don't just be talking at me. Don't just talk at me. Talk to me. Let me in. Let me in. This is why teaching entrepreneurs those principles of singing and how to apply them to their speaking voice creates these kinds of breakthroughs. I'm very passionate about what I do. <laughs> Absolutely. As you should be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I get people results. That's the thing. It's not just like me talking. I know what I'm talking about, but I'm here to help. <sighs> to Kenya. Yes, Sabrina. My love. Thank you so much for coming on today. Y'all, y'all need to definitely subscribe to the show after you listen to this one. This one right here should have gotten you, should have resonated with you in some way. Please send us a message and connect with us on Instagram. Thanks so much for tuning into Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast. Be sure to check out the show's notes for this episode on www.drsabrinanicole.com and follow us on social media. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. We'll be back next week with more. See you then.